This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are the great Today is December 17th, and on this show, Andrew, I want you to to know that we've been in the middle of uh, a Stamkos circus here in Toronto. Uh, the Tampa Lightning and Stephen Samkos came to visit the Leafs, one of their three visits to Toronto this year, and all hands were on deck in the press. All kinds of stories were out there about Samkos is coming, the the Ducks are lining up, and all the rest of it. I can name a number of reasons why I think it makes good sense. First of all, he's a pending UFA. The Leafs have all kinds of cap room. He's from Toronto. He's prominent in the local community over the the Blue Jays' fantastic playoff run last year. He seems at odds with the Tampa coach, John Cooper, since last year's playoffs. He's looked indifferent during a career-high 10-game goalless streak streak that's ongoing right now. And he holds all the cards because of a no-trade clause in his contract. I made this prediction on our first show, Andrew, that he's coming to Toronto. Tell me whether you think I'm right or I'm wrong. Well, if he was trying to impress the Toronto brass uh, in Tuesday's game, uh, I would say he didn't succeed putting one shot on goal, going scoreless, uh, as you say, for the 10th straight game, still without a goal since he scored two back on November 21st. And this despite, uh, you know, just huge ice time, basically plays over 20 minutes every single game. And he's doing really nothing with it right now. Uh, at, at 25, you would think that Stamco is a little young to be in a decline. But it's kind of looking that way uh, as as we look down you know, the, the list of his seasons. It goes 97 points in 82 games, right? Great. 
That'll a slight step down in the lockout shortened season. Not really. Uh, 57-48, then down to 40-37. and 37. Then he dips under a point per game last year. Now he's well under a point per game. Uh, and So we're seeing a, a kind of a disturbing progression with Stamkos where you had to wonder, is he going to live up to that max contract that the Leafs probably will end up giving him? Well, and, and to me, I saw this act last year with one Phil Kessel. He checked out on the Leafs in the second half of that season with an incredible decline in his performance, worse than anything that we've seen from Stamkos in his career. What I like about Stamkos, though, is that he's done this over seven years, producing at almost a point a game, and really been perennially in this in the race for the Rocket Richard Trophy as a goal scorer. This guy's a pure sniper. He has got all kinds of skill. And I think mentally he's checked out a little bit. That's what it looks like to me, Andrew. And and that's why I kind of discount what we've seen in the last 10 games because I just think he's counting the minutes until he can get out of Tampa. Uh, the coach re-signing, that was a key uh, message in this whole situation to me where where Steve Eisenman made no bones about saying John Cooper is going to be my guy the long-term head coach of this organization. And they have other cap issues where they got a host of players that are going to come due to the pay window in the next year or two. they got to find money somewhere. And uh, if they're going to cut off the head, despite the rest of this uh, this animal, they may, may rue the day. But I think it could be a bonanza for any club that winds up getting Stamkos. And to me, as I said, the Ducks are lining up that he's going to come to Toronto and accelerate the rebuild that's ongoing here with the Leafs. Well, wouldn't you think, though, that, uh, you know, the guy is in his walk year, you know, he's playing for a contract. Uh, you would think that you would get a better showing out of him. Maybe he goes and looks around the league and says, oh, look, uh, the Oilers paid Andre Sakara for what he did two years ago. Maybe I'll get paid for what I did two years ago. But I, 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 would like, I like to think that Stamco is a little smarter than that. Uh, I think that there's something deeper here than just being checked out on the Leafs or on the uh, the Bolts because uh, he's just too good for this, and he should be motivated to produce whether or not he likes John Cooper. Well, and, and that should be something that he's got to reconcile. And he's got one of the best agents in the game, and Donnie Mee and the, the top sports agency in, in the sport. Uh, he should be getting that kind of counseling for sure. And I'd like to think that, that this slump is a bit of a mirage for a number of reasons, and then we'll see some better production out of him going forward. It'd be great for him and uh, his mates if he can deliver those goods because I think there's still a lot of talent here that should be in line for another long playoff run. But they've got some teams to chase in the, uh, in the Atlantic Division and Eastern Conference because Detroit's pick up the pace and so is Boston. Montreal's still ahead of them, although they've slowed down. So Tampa's really got to pull up their socks if they want to even make the playoffs. And who would have thought that that was a possibility at the outset of this season? Strange. Absolutely. Um, so let's move around the league, though. That wasn't the only story in hockey this this week, but there's a number of other stories that are cap-related, and we've seen a couple of teams really pay dearly for being top-heavy in that aspect. Let's take a look at two of them, Andrew, one being the Pittsburgh Penguins. We spent a little bit of time talking about this club uh, so far this year. They've underperformed, haven't they? They sure have uh, just shut out uh, yet again uh, by the by Boston yesterday, and uh, you know the coaching change and they were hoping for a shakeup. They brought in Trevor Daly for Rob Scuderi, hoping for a little bit uh, more solid play on D. Uh, Daly did look he looked okay yesterday. Uh, nothing special. Didn't didn't get any shots off in 18 minutes of ice time, including three minutes on the power play, uh, which is not terribly promising. 
But yeah, Sidney Crosby, we're still looking for it. We're still looking for it, Sidney. 19 points in 30 games, no points in the last three. Still, you don't see him put up a lot of those crooked shooting numbers that you used to see from him. Uh, you know, he put up nine shots back on November 25th against St. Louis. Hasn't exceeded four in a game in uh, in 10 games since then. So still looking for a little more from Sid. Uh, Gino Malkin can't be the one who has to carry this team all the time. Not that he's not a star, not that he can't carry a team, but this Penguins team needs more than that. They've got a lot of eggs in, in very, you know, in just a few baskets with Crosby, with Malkin, with Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, we're talking about a big amount of cap space tied up. It's made them cut corners and other spots on the roster. And I think that that's really behind uh, the Penguins' struggles right now. And to your point, they've got $31 million tied up in four players. We've talked about the top-heavy trio with Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby. Throw in Fleury, who's actually concussed right now, and he's out of the lineup indefinitely. That means that their backup goalie, Zatkov, has to take the lion's share of the load in the short near term. And he's going to be doing it without Latang in the lineup as well. So they're decimated with a couple of key injuries. And that defense core, that's where they paid the price, Andrew, in terms of being so top-heavy in salary. They leaned on spending that money in the forward ranks. And their defense, as a result, is, is, is built on Chris Letang and a number of prospects the most notorious of which Ole Mata has had his injury troubles as well. So there's a whole host of problems in Pittsburgh right now, and they may soon find themselves in a situation where they got to leapfrog teams just to get back into the playoff race. And I'm not liking uh, the short-term or long-term situation in Pittsburgh unless they find a way to dump one of the bigger salaries perhaps and break up that uh, that uh, overrated under and underperforming uh, scoring uh, trio that we've mentioned. I will say, though, that uh, I, I love Mike Sullivan. You know, he used to be assistant coach with the Rangers. I think he's got a great head for the game. Uh, he was doing great work down with uh, Penguins AHL affiliate in uh, scranton Wilkes-Bear. Uh, Sullivan does have it in him to turn this franchise around, but I do think the Pens need to get rid of, uh, eventually, some of their you know older guys, like Chris Kunitz is dragging them down. Even, you, you know, you look at a guy like Chris Letang, who's so good... Uh, ordinarily when he's healthy and just just can't stay that way uh, back on injured reserve now uh, he, he there's he never goes a season without spending an extended stint on the IR and that's the the kind of thing that you know you need to establish consistency you need to everyone to get comfortable together to establish great chemistry and the penguins can't seem to do that because they have so many guys uh, and especially premium guys like Latang who just get banged up all the time and to your point, again, Kunitz and Patrick Hornquist, these guys were supposed to provide some consistent secondary scoring. They've both fallen well short of those expectations. And we talked a week or so ago about Pascal Dupuis, his retirement and uh, has taken place now. And that means that uh, they've got to find another guy who can play with Sydney. And that's been an issue all season long. So the problems just continue to mount for this team. And it, it just seems like a, almost an insurmountable list of concerns right now before they can write this ship. And uh, they made the coaching change, as you suggested. That's step one in terms of fi lighting a fire somewhere and hoping for a, even a dead cat bounce. But we haven't seen much, <laughs> much of that right now. They looked terrible in Boston last night. And uh, and you wonder if there's any, any gas left in the tank uh, to turn things around here in Pittsburgh. I'm not seeing it. And uh, I, wonder, I wonder, do you think this, this team can make the playoffs? Let me ask you that point blank. I do think that they, you know, the, you know, this is a league where more than half the teams make the playoffs. The Penguins could end up still backing into the playoffs. You know, they've got 
the goalie, uh, assuming that Flurry doesn't stay out for you know too long a period of time. Uh, you know they, they've they've had a lot of bad luck. You look at the shooting percentages on this team across the board. Really, they're lower than career averages. Crosby only at seven percent. Hornquist uh, hovering around the I think five percent. Uh, Kessel only at nine percent. Uh, so there's there's some bad luck that's factoring into this. You got to figure that they're going to get some uh, a little more puck luck moving forward. Uh, but when when is the question? Because we're still waiting. And uh, if we shift our viewpoint to a team that mirrors Pittsburgh's struggles out west, I would nominate the Vancouver Canucks because that's another team that's top-heavy in some salary situations. We, uh, we can name the Sedin Twins, both locked up for the next three seasons at $7.5 million each. They've got Ryan Miller at $6 million for this year and next year. Those guys are each 35 years old, Andrew, and we've seen some slippage in this team. Certainly the Sedins are delivering offensively. They're both sitting there atop the the Vancouver scoring stats with 31 and 34 points respectively, but then you drop down to 17 points and you see that that's defenseman Alex Edler and the third member who's the lucky guy that's playing with the Sedins right now, uh, Yannick Hansen. After that, you're talking guys with 15 and 11 and then it goes to single digits. So the productivity drops off precipitously in Vancouver. And again, they're paying for the fact that some of their lesser lights, their lower paid guys haven't stepped up and provided that secondary scoring punch. And Vancouver has fallen into a, a pack of teams that will be fighting for a playoff spot. Again, I think that's a surprise based on the preseason expectations. Yeah, we're really seeing these Canucks in a rut. Uh, they haven't scored, aside from uh, rolling on Buffalo 5-2 uh, 10 days ago, they haven't scored more than two goals in a game since the last week of November. And when they do score goals, as you uh, as you sort of implied... Uh, it's the Sedins, it's Daniel, it's Henrik, and it's pretty much nobody else. And I think a, a big problem, too, for Vancouver is that they are paying Ryan Miller this big-time starter's money. And at 35 years old, we're seeing the cracks in Miller's game. Uh, we're really, we've been seeing them for the last couple of years uh, since he went to St. Louis and got off to that really great start, and then he just was mired in a deep slump, carried that into last year, was you know lower than league average save percentage last season lower than league average save percentage this season. Ryan Miller is not the answer in goal for the Vancouver Canucks. The problem is the guy who was supposed to be for the la these last several years, uh, first Florida's goalie of the future and now Vancouver's goalie of the future, Jacob Markstrom, still isn't really doing it. And, and you can add to the fact that in both of these circumstances, there's been some salary cap misses. Look at the contract that Chris Tanev has, Andrew. He's be, being paid $4.45 million. This guy's got four points so far this year, and he's signed for the next four seasons as well. That contract is an absolute albatross on this team. They're not paying anybody other than him and Edler more than $2 million on this blue line, and that's a tremendous divergence from from where they were a couple of years ago where they were four or five players deep in terms of quality d-men who they have now distributed around the nhl in in trades that they were forced to make because of cap, cap concerns and and that's the point of of this whole discussion that we've uh, come through in the last few minutes from my perspective andrew uh, highlighting the fact that nhl teams really can't afford too many more misses at the salary cap window and and we've seen these team, teams really start to pay for it in terms of Pittsburgh and Vancouver's long-range future. I think these are two teams that are headed for uh, serious rebuilds, and uh, and it's because they're top-heavy in terms of players that they committed to. They haven't filled in underneath with quality guys that can provide that secondary scoring. The teams that are doing a better job of managing their money 
and getting that bang in the secondary scoring levels are the ones that are going to be at the top of the league. And uh, certainly we can highlight those in future weeks. But uh, that's the way I see it right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the TANF contract, I think, is really emblematic of a problem across the league, uh, a consistent uh, trend across the league of giving these, like, nothing defensemen, guys who basically prove, you know, that they they can play in the NHL, they're credible, you know, mid-tier defense, defensive defensemen, they'll block shots, uh, you know, they'll get back there. Uh, but that's it. That's all you're getting from these guys, uh, and you have to get more than that when you're paying a guy four and a half million dollars a year. You know, Chris Tanev, one of the highest paid blue liners for Vancouver, and you're absolutely right to question that when you look at that they signed him to this deal. For, uh, which you know you have to say like why? Why would you sign a con- someone to a contract extension like that after he puts up 20 points with 53 shots in 70 games? Yeah, he blocked 170 shots, but you're paying the guy $4.5 million to get in front of pucks? That's not how you do it. No, it's not. But uh, And one team that surprisingly may finally be getting this, this whole thing right is the Edmonton Oilers. They are not yet in the cap crunch because a lot of their players are still in their r- rookie contract circumstances. They're going to face the time eventually. But have they turned the corner recently? They've got six wins in their last seven starts as a team, and they're finally starting to... Uh, to coalesce. I think things are starting to finally come together for a talented pack of forwards. They've been back, uh, backbone by a sterling rookie effort by Anders Nilsson in goal, who is a guy that we highlighted in, in our preseason picks as well. And uh, a couple of young defensemen are starting to make their way. So things are coming together for Edmonton. Uh, I, th- I think they can contend for the playoff spot. What's your view on the Oilers? Is this... Uh, the high point of the season, or do you expect them to be able to sustain what they're doing? I think the return of Jordan Eberle has really been key for Edmonton. You know, they're a team that doesn't have a lot of depth down the right wing. When they didn't have Eberle in the lineup, it was really hurting them. It was really keeping their lines from coming together. Uh, Eberle's return, I think, has been just huge for this organization. But, uh, you know, I do think that they can contend for the playoffs. We're talking about a team that not only, uh, you know, is 7-2-1 and one in the last 10 but also has the number one pick in the draft coming back. Uh, Connor McDavid, healing faster than expected, is the the most recent news, although that's not that recent anymore. Uh, Expected back possibly as soon as uh, sometime in January from his uh, shoulder injury. So shoulder slash collarbone injury, we should say. Yeah, they've been decimated by a couple of bumps and bruises. Not only is McDavid out, but Niall Yakupov, who was uh, thriving with Conor McDavid, is now on the IR. So that's probably addition by subtraction for them right now. Might be. And Benoit Pouliot, you can add him to the list. But another one that may be more troubling is Oscar Kleffbaum. And he's one of the young defensemen that started to show some real good uh, form this season, along with Darnell Nurse. uh, And that's where I think things have turned here for Edmonton. They finally started to develop some some depth along that blue line. Certainly they're, get, they're relying heavily on the defensive side of the puck with Andrew Ference, who's quietly going about his business as a, as a rock back there on the blue line. Uh, but uh, Darnell Nurse and Clefbaum, to me, showed a lot, have shown a lot so far this year and have given me pause for uh, some optimism in Edmonton. I thought when they started to finally address their defensive side of the puck, that's when this team might turn. But it's been it's been paired with... Uh, an offense that seems to be finally getting it 
this is too much skill, too much talent that has finally f started to figure things out, I think. And that could be bad news for the entire Western Conference uh, going down the road. If they can continue this trajectory, they're going to be a team that a lot of other teams will not want to play in that first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that they've really benefited from having a couple real tough young defensemen uh, you know, in that third-pairing role in uh, Eric Greiba and Brandon Davidson. These, these two guys both have positive ratings for the season. Uh, it's not something you would ever think to see from an Edmonton blue liner. And we, you know, you look at the uh, the guys toward the top of the depth chart. You know, Sakara's minus eight, Justin Schultz is minus five, uh, even Nurse is uh, is just even. So you you know you look at Davidson and Griba and and they're giving you more than you expect on that back end, uh, sort of stabilizing that defensive core finally. And uh, another team that I rank as a surprise. You had this team. At the near the top of the Atlantic Division, I didn't. The Boston Bruins have, have uh, turned back the clock a little bit, and they've rediscovered the formula that's made them successful in the last few years, save for, uh, I think, a bit of a lack of physical play in their game with the departure of Milan Lucic. I didn't expect Brian, Brad Marchand to have the year that he's having. Louis Erickson has, has put together his best year as a Bruin, and I think the, it's the play of those two guys, along with the one-two punch at center, that's really driven the bus for Boston in terms of their recent success. Are there any other Bruins that have caught your eye in recent weeks? What, you didn't expect Brad Marchand to be on pace for 44 goals? What's wrong? <laughs> not, a, not at all. I that th always happens. I thought that he'd be hiding in the bushes now that his bodyguard <laughs> was uh, was shipped off to L.A. That's what I thought. But he's he's padded his stats with a couple of empty net goals. That should be noted. But he's out there because he's also pretty de responsible defensively, and he flies around that ice, uh, fearless checker still. So uh, full marks to him, even though I rate him as one of the pests in the league. And and that little ball of hate is uh, is very aptly named. <laughs> but yeah, this has really been a, a team effort for Boston. Uh, one guy I have been particularly impressed with recently is Ryan Spooner. He's been killing it lately. Uh, six points in the last five games, uh, three of those goals, which you don't usually expect from Spooner, a guy more known for his playmaking abilities. But he's really given them a lot more than you, you could expect uh, as a, a third-line center with 18 points in 30 games. Uh, you know, when you get that kind of scoring depth, you know you're going to be a good team. And you can throw in Matt Bolesky. They paid big bucks to bring this guy in after a very slow start. He's got five points in his last seven or eight games, too, and uh, starting to produce a little bit more in line with some expectations. So they're getting a bit of a bump uh, from a number of uh, players that maybe they didn't expect such a, such a rise. And the fact that their one-two punch at center, uh, Krejci and Bergeron, is healthy, that's big news because last year Bergeron was, uh, was the only guy that stayed healthy with Krejci missing a, missing a quarter of the season, and you could see the Bruins play really tail off when they don't have both those hands on deck. And then you turn to the defense, and you got to realize that, that they're getting a great uh, level of production on that blue line, too, from Chara and, and uh, Krug. We certainly expected that. But it's the depth players, Colin Miller and Kevin Miller. They're both plus players on that blue line. Plus five, I think, was the last I saw for both of them. And uh, they're holding up their end of the bargain, propping up a defense where they're just there to break even or do a little bit better, chip in a little bit offensively. So they're delivering those goods. And then the final piece of the puzzle is Tuka Rask. This guy's shown a temperamental side to himself in the last couple of years, but I think he's really on top of his game. He's gone through a, a, an eight-game stretch where he allowed only 12 goals against, and so he's right up there uh, where he usually is among the top goalies and the hottest goalies in the league. Yeah, and uh, to to jump back to Bolesky, you were we were talking uh, before the season about how 
the Bruins would replace the toughness of Milan Lucic on that left line? The answer has been Bolesky. Not only is he producing points at a career high rate, but he's also hitting at a career high rate. He's got 97 hits in 28 games, which puts him on pace to absolutely blow away his previous career bests. Well, and he's showing that he can be a Bruin. Uh, that's what they need. That's what they were missing from, uh, from projected a miss from Lucic. Maybe he's picking up some of that slack. Jimmy Hayes, another one that uh, that needs to do a little more in that area and deliver more on the score sheet. But uh, Andrew, I know you're excited about the DFS stuff. So why don't you lead us into that segment of our show? Excited? Yes. Let's let's go with excited. We're excited about about DFS. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, we, yeah, we put together some FanDuel lineups for tonight, huh? Uh, taking a look down the list, uh, the first thing that sticks out to me, the, thi- the the one player that I continue until, you know, until really all these DFS operators uh, realize what's going on, is I'm going to roll out Valerian Nichushkin, uh on that Dallas first line alongside Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. His cost on FanDuel right now is 3400 that makes him one of the cheapest players down in the neighborhood of guys who aren't even in the NHL right now. Uh, down <laughs> in the neighborhood of guys who are playing on the fourth lines. Down in the neighborhood of Paul's phone ringing. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta put that thing on silent, man. Sorry about that. I normally <laughs> do. I normally do. Sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, you know, we, we try to mix it up with introduce some sound effects into the show. <laughs> uh, you know, this is uh, just uh, all part of our duty as entertainers. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Nachushkin, not only is he skating alongside Sagan and Ben, giving you a chance to get a piece of their offense on any given night, but they're playing Calgary tonight, uh, maybe the worst defensive team in the league, in Dallas, after Calgary beat them in the shootout uh, about you know two weeks ago up in Calgary. you, you got to figure the, the Stars are going to be out for revenge. They're gonna, ben and Sagan are going to come out looking for blood. And the Chushkin is going to be the beneficiary there. So really love him at that right wing spot for 3,400. Uh, what about you? Uh, any one particular player in your lineup who really caught your eye as a great well, value for tonight? I think Yannick Hansen is an interesting value. He's he's a little priced a little bit higher at 5,600 bucks, but he's playing with the Sedin twins, and he's been on a bit of a scoring tear recently. So that that matchup. Philadelphia doesn't play much defense, in my opinion, and and they're going to get a few penalties. The power play for Vancouver can be dynamic at times. That's a guy that I'm looking for to produce some some crooked numbers for for Vancouver, despite what we said about the team most recently. They're being carried by the Sedin twins and whoever plays on the wing right now. That's Hanson, and that's why I throw I throw him in. But Nichushkin, are you sure that 3400 is isn't 3400 by period? Because that's a ridiculously low price. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. If you it's, look at the other names that cost 3400, it's it's hilarious, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Jake it is. McCabe, Derek Englund, David Schlemko, <laughs> Matt Hendricks. Tom, yeah. You know, like these Maybe. are the kind of players you can get for the price of a guy who's playing with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. That's it's just insane. That's an absolute no-brainer. But I'd like to think that Hanson is is another good bet. Maybe you pair them in in your in your DFS lineup tonight. You're not afraid of uh, of Michael Neuver uh, playing very well in goal for the Flyers starting again tonight. Uh, that's his fourth that's, straight start. That's a great point because in these matchups you have to look at the goalie situation. And when you got a chance to play a first line player against a backup goalie, you got to like that circumstance. And so maybe that's a great pairing to build your team around. That's that's a very cheap right side that should be very productive. I threw in uh, Marian Hosa because uh, again you alluded to the fact that. Uh, 
there is some level of responsibility in, in some players' games and, and good situations here where he's facing an Edmonton team that likes to go run and gun. And Chicago is a team that likes to prey upon teams like that. And I think the counterpunchability of a responsible guy like a Marion Hossa is worth 6400 bucks. And he's the top end of pretty much the top end of my lineup, save for the goalie start that I have. But, uh, and I think that's, that's a nice, uh, nice pairing for me. Who's the second guy that you had on the right wing? Uh, I'm going with Jordan Eberle. Uh, Eberle, as as mentioned earlier, has been red hot lately, uh, really pouring in the points over the last few games. He gets, uh, you know, not the best matchup necessarily uh, against Chicago, in Chicago against the Blackhawks. But still, uh, Eberle has scored goals in five of the last six games. He's added three assists in that span as well. Uh, he's really rounding into form and, you know, being the player that we expected him to be from the start of the season for 5800 I think is a, a rock bottom price for, for the guy of this caliber. And what about your port side, the left wingers? What are we doing, looking at there, uh, in your opinion, Andrew? So I'm looking at this, uh, for, for one, I'm going to the other end of that Edmonton-Chicago matchup, and I'm sticking in Artemi Panarin. Uh, always a great play, especially when his salary remains very reasonable. At 5500 still uh, a little below the, you know, the average cost of a player on FanDuel which I think is just nuts for a guy who's been close to a point per game this year. He's playing alongside Patrick Kane, and on this particular evening has a, a nice matchup against an Edmonton team that certainly gives up a lot of shots on goal, which uh, FanDuel rewards with a, a nice little point. But uh, and for the other one, uh, looking at another matchup that I think is going to be uh, a bit of an offensive bonanza, you've got Columbus and Arizona, two teams rolling out their backup goalies, Columbus with... Uh, Curtis McElhenney, maybe they'll start Corpusalo today. I don't know what they're planning with that. But either way, uh, either you know a, a poor veteran or a rookie. And then uh, on the other side of that, you've got Anders Lindback with Mike Smithhurt. So could be a, a bit of a scoring fiesta down in Arizona tonight. And uh, I'm using Max Domi in that lineup, uh, 6100 I think a very affordable price. And uh, he just just seemed to stick out of the crowd there. I'm, I agreed with you on Panarin. I went a little bit higher in terms of spending on the left side with Scotty Hartnell. He's a tough guy, and you know I love these power forwards. You're and going for that same matchup. And, and I'm going for that same matchup because I look at the Arizona situation. Mike Smith being out of that lineup is death for, for the Coyotes' defensive side of the puck. This guy has been underrated in terms of his impact so far this year, and he's legit one of the top goalies in hockey. He's just buried on the team that nobody really talks about. Year in, year out, the guy plays 60, 65 games and delivers the goods, puts up some good numbers despite a porous defense. They've upgraded defensively a little bit. And I just see that, uh, I just see a little bit of uh, an opportunity for Scott Hartnell to still take advantage of the fact that Columbus, I think, has too much physicality and they will use that advantage. And he'll park himself in front of the backup uh, that you mentioned in the Arizona Nets, Lindback, and I think he's going to create havoc, and wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't pick up a power play point or two tonight. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a reasonable uh, assumption. Well, let's let's take a look at uh, the guys playing in between there, the centers. Uh, this is where I chose to spend uh, a lot of my money because I went ahead and took uh, the red-hot Claude Giroux. Uh, he's going <laughs> to, you know, he did surprisingly get held off the scoreboard by Carolina uh, on Tuesday, but before that, Giroux ripping off plenty of points, uh, finally looking like his normal self after a, a really cold start to the season. He's been great. And at 7,800, still not priced in that elite territory. Even though you look at you know the FanDuel's fantasy points per game, 
he's right there with John Tavares, the most expensive center today. Well, and I went a little bit below in terms of cost, but I still got names that people will recognize. I picked up Jason Spezza, who's performing at a reg uh, regular scoring pace. Uh, he's routinely in the scoring summaries for and Dallas. That was my other one. And he has a great, great record uh, for them in that secondary second line role. I think he's going to face the secondary checkers in Calgary. That's a, that's an opportunity that I think he should capitalize on because Calgary is another team that likes to run and gun a little bit. The other center where where I thought there was an opportunity is Anze Kopitar. This is another guy who is looking to hit it big at the pay window this season as a UF, pending UFA. And I think tonight he has a chance to pad his stats against a Montreal team that is reeling most recently. They're starting to show cracks finally because of the missing Carey Price and Brendan Gallagher up front. Uh, Price and goal, Gallagher up front. That's two big holes in Montreal. They look like a completely different team in the last six or seven games. And, and the Kings are rolling right now. They are atop the Pacific Division. And Kopitar's line needs to start contributing more, and I think they are slowly rounding into form. This is a team that their top guns take about the first two months of the season to to get warmed up, and uh, we're starting to see the impact because they're they're going to run away with that Pacific Division, it looks like, and I think they, they're in line for an e easy win against Montreal tonight. Yeah, you certainly have to like uh, the Habs rolling out the, the backup goalie, but even, even so, they've been playing a lot of close games. I don't think it's going to be... Uh, a runaway train for for LA, but we'll see. Uh, what about the blue line? Uh, for me, I gotta say I'm I'm like a broken record. I've got uh, a couple of guys from the same matchups we've been talking about uh, rolling out. John Klingberg, I think uh, another spectacular price. Only 6,700 is I think uh, a relative bargain for Klingberg. Uh, you gotta figure you're gonna get a couple points out of him tonight uh, against you know a Calgary team that again very bad defense. And then on the other side, we have a, a guy who's been a name-brand type of player, but has been struggling recently, and Oliver ekman Larson really hasn't been putting up a lot of points recently. He hasn't scored a goal since the first day of December, but I think he changes that tonight against a Columbus team that's not good defensively. Uh, this is going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think six, seven, eight, nine goals scored, and I think uh, ekman Larson is going to be a part of that at 5,800, I think, uh, a really fine value. What about you? Well, I, I come up with a couple of names, one of which I think will rival your pick of the Dallas youngster, Nichushkin. I, I pick Rasmus Ristolainen, $5,100 in the Buffalo uh, versus Anaheim matchup. The Ducks are at the bottom of the Pacific Division. They're still looking a little bit disorganized to me, not got their game in order. And this is a guy on defense who ranks in the top five in the league in defense scoring with nine points in his last eight games as well. He's on a bit of a hot streak. He's had two three-point games in that string. And this is another opportunity where I think he can hit the scoreboard more than once with this favorable matchup. For $5,100, I think that's a pretty good value in, in tonight's game there. And then the other defender that I've picked is one of the top four guys in Los Angeles. Again, this is a team that that is capable of scoring some goals uh, and has shown great form recently. Alec Martinez is getting top four minutes and, and starting to get some points on a regular basis. He has four or five goals already this year, and he's approaching the 10-point mark. All Most of that is coming most recently, and I think he has a chance to add, pad those stats as well. Now, Martinez has always been a guy I like. Uh, I just feel like his production tends to be so inconsistent. It really comes and goes. But uh, I looked for some value in that, and that's how I was, ended up being able to spend more than six thousand on you know uh, four different players, uh, four different skaters that is. Uh, I'm going against your Leafs tonight. I'm rolling out Martin Jones uh, for you know what's been kind of a cold Sharks team, but you got Jones has won 
uh, you know, won his last start, one Tuesday in Montreal, has only given up one goal each of his last two outings. Uh, I like him against the Toronto team that really doesn't put the puck in the net. What about you? Well, I like that matchup too, but I went for, uh, I looked at the Montreal Los Angeles lineup matchup again, and I picked Jonathan Quick. I spent some big dollars on him. He's sure nowhere, did. he's about the, not the top goalie rated, but maybe fourth or fifth in the list. And I thought, well, this looks like a, like a very favorable matchup for the Kings. And I think he's done his bit in terms of keeping that goals against in order. And he has a chance to put up a low number, maybe even a zero tonight. Yeah, you know, when you look at, I think FanDuel is a really interesting uh, scoring system in terms of uh, picking goalies. Because in a lot of, I think, DFS games, you want to build your lineup around your goalie. But in FanDuel, it doesn't really pay off that much because you look at, you know, just look at the average points for goalies, you know, like five and six and four points that goalies average per game. You're not getting that kind of like huge production that you're used to. You know, they're not a cornerstone of your team in the same way that your goalie is in, you know, uh, a season long fantasy league or even in even in a, a Yahoo league. Uh, so I think that's uh, something you have to pay attention to. When you, when you look at these kind of situations. Absolutely. Read the rules and know the scoring systems because you could be uh, screwing yourself if you, if you weight things differently than, uh, than the scoring does indicate. And uh, very good point there, Andrew. Well, I thank you, Paul. I, I try. <laughs> if you guys have enjoyed listening to our uh, banter and ranting, uh, check out rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day subscription to Rotowire. You can get a free trial, check out our articles, our news updates, our other podcasts. Uh, we, we've got one for practically every sport, including some you may not have heard of. Rotowire.com slash pod. Back to you, and, Paul. And <laughs> you, you uh, mentioned that we like to rant. Uh, before we get to the rant, I would like to highlight the stud of the week this week. One Patrick Kane. We saw him snap, finally, a 26-game point scoring streak. That was halfway to Wayne Gretzky's mark. But Gretzky accomplished his 53-game uh, record, or was it 51? I think it was 51, 51, 51. 51 game record, and he scored 153 points in an NHL that is much different w- uh, than the one we see today. That 80s, 90s league was a real shootout-oriented league with goalies that were half the size of the goalies that, that are out there these days. Uh, there's mo- much more attention to the checking side of the game, and you have to know that opposing teams game plan for Patrick Kane very, very seriously, and, and yet he still found the score sheet in 26 straight games. I think that's a tremendous record that he should be very proud of. And uh, remember, we're coming off a season where no scorer reached 90 points in the entire season last year. So putting things in perspective, I think that's a remarkable streak. And even though it was snapped last week, I think I want to tip my hat to him. Yeah, if you can be uh, even half of Wayne Gretzky, uh, that's quite a lot. And uh, surprising to see Kane's... Uh very first game of the year without a shot on goal against Colorado on Tuesday uh, as he broke that streak. Uh, very odd to see him fail to do that. I expect Kane will get right back on the horse and uh, start pouring it in again uh, starting probably tonight. And uh, for the rant of the week, you know, it bugs me to no end that some of these players, some of the star players are complaining about three-on-three hockey. I find that shocking. Are you kidding me? <laughs> at least this still looks like hockey why not complain about the shootout i've done that too many times on this at this show and i'm not going to do it again today but if you want to complain about something else how about the oversized goaltending equipment 
I saw leg pads on some goalies in the last couple of weeks, but that they almost almost reached their waistline. <laughs> gloves that gloves that look twice as big as they need to be, with cheater pads built in at the waist, and even the bulky pants and shoulder pads that should be streamlined. I think we're going to see that very soon, Andrew. Some goalies just choose to stand in as blockers, and they don't need to have have the ability to move around athletically anymore. They just stand there and get in the way. They cover the net like an eclipse. And so <laughs> so there's no need for the athleticism that I like to see in goalies, and I'd like to see more of that in the game and, and less complaining about the three-on-three because, to me, that's been a visual spectacle. I love it when there's a lot of open ice and teams can roll out their skill players, some of whom complain about that extra two or three minutes that they have to play occasionally. They're getting paid a lot of money to do this, Andrew. I think they got to suck it up and deliver. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to... On, on a similar note, I play in a co-ed soccer rec league, where uh, it's you know it's indoors because winter time, or at least it's supposed to be winter time. Uh, I I'd only <laughs> the weather has only just seemed to start noticing. I don't know how it is up there, but it's been quite unseasonably warm in Philadelphia. But I'm just saying, I would like to be able to wear some of those big hockey pads in that net. <laughs> so... Well, I I I think it's ridiculous. They they look like. Uh... Michelin men in that in the nets right now, and and I mean there's no opportunity. A guy comes down the wing, you can't even see any twine behind him. So what chance does he have to score? And and that's why the, Marshmallow Man would have made a great goalie. That's it. I'm sure he would have. Uh, but Andrew, we had a lot of fun as to, as usual. I think we delivered some good information as well. That's typical of what uh, we want to deliver to our listeners, and uh, we thank you all for coming back to us. That's a wrap for another episode of The Great Ones, Rotowire's Hockey Podcast. For Andrew Fiorentino, I'm Paul Bruno, thanking you for giving us a listen and inviting you to come back and catch the next episode of our show next week. So long, everybody. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.